Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Tuesday, May 31st, 2016. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Boston, Beantown Athletics, your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery, beantownathletics.com. Today's show presented by SeatGeek. SeatGeek has made it easier than ever before to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, what's great about SeatGeek is the price you see is the price you get. Most sites are going to try to surprise you at checkout with these outrageous fees, but not SeatGeek. So make sure you download the free SeatGeek app right now and get a $20 rebate on tickets by using the promo code PICARD. That's right, as in my last name, PICARD. Now, the Red Sox are currently in Baltimore for a huge series. The Orioles entered this series with the Red Sox. A game behind the Red Sox for first place in the AL East. The Red Sox just picked up their 30th win over the weekend against Toronto in Toronto. And this is a huge series for the reasons that I just gave you. And if you're a Red Sox fan, I know I've been there. I know how many Red Sox fans go to Baltimore, go to Camden Yards to see the Red Sox play in Baltimore. It's a great spot. They got the ballpark right on the waterfront there in Baltimore. So, if you go out and you don't have your tickets yet or, or, or you're looking for them, guess what you do? You go to the SeatGeek app and set the alert, and SeatGeek will let you know when ticket prices fall so you can get the best deal possible. Because, again, I've gone to Baltimore several times, and when I went, I ended up getting my tickets from people just walking around the ballpark in the street. And while at the time it looks like a good deal, It's not the best deal. The best deal would be if you go to Baltimore and you don't have tickets yet, go to the SeatGeek app because, again, you're going to get $20 off by using my promo code, which is my last name, Picard. Even better, every ticket on the SeatGeek app is given a grade and you can use their detailed map to see the exact view from your seat. SeatGeek, always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or a concert. It should be the first place you go as well. SeatGeek. So, as I just mentioned, the Red Sox in Baltimore, Eduardo Rodriguez is going to make his season debut tonight on this Tuesday evening. As you know, he went down early in spring training with a lower body injury, with a knee injury. He's been working his way back. There was a little setback a couple weeks ago, but he's in the rotation. He's going to make his season debut because of that move. They've moved Clay Buckholtz to the bullpen, also because Clay Clay Buckholtz was terrible this season as a starter. So Buckholtz goes to the bullpen. This is a reason maybe they have an excuse to make that move. Eduardo Rodriguez making his season debut tonight. Now I say tonight, and I'm actually recording this podcast on Monday, Monday late afternoon, because I'm actually out of town later this week. I'm going to be out of Boston and I'm not going to be around to give you some podcasts. So I, I, I felt the need to record them ahead of time. So I got this podcast today for you on Tuesday, even though I recorded on Monday. So that's why you don't hear me reacting to Golden State, Oklahoma City Game 7. And it's also why you don't hear me reacting to the Red Sox-Orioles Memorial Day game in Baltimore, uh, which took place Monday. So... I'm recording, I'm just letting you know, that's why I'm not reacting to those things, because I'm actually recording this Tuesday podcast on Monday, but, you know, I want to get to something that I was not able to get to on Monday's podcast, and it's Patriots related, all right, I did a lot of baseball on Monday's podcast, I reacted to the Red Sox 
Losing two of three in Toronto. I even reacted to Golden State forcing the game seven, which I told you they would do. I talked a little Stanley Cup final, San Jose and Pittsburgh, and a couple other topics throughout the show. Uh, but one thing I didn't get to, because it was a weekend recap, it, it, there's something Patriots-related that's not Deflategate-related, by the way. Don't, so don't, don't hit stop. Don't hit pause. Don't. Don't go listen to another podcast just yet. I'm not going to get into Deflategate. And I know Deflategate pisses people off. It drives people crazy. It drives me crazy. And I'm not. that's not to say we're never going to talk about Deflategate again. Because we will be talking about Deflategate again. As you know, Tom Brady and his team, they have filed their appeal. And even if this appeal is not granted, if this second hearing in the second court of appeals, whatever the hell they're calling that place, that court courtroom these days, if, if that session is, if the appeal is not granted, then they can still, Brady and his team of all-star lawyers and all-star attorneys, which um, they might even add another one by the time we even find out if he's granted this hearing, they can still take it to the Supreme Court. So the, the flake gate is not over. It's not going to be over anytime soon. I wouldn't be surprised if this thing is sort of, put on hold even throughout the 2016 season and we get back to it next off season. We're still talking about appeals and court sessions and, and judge decisions. I mean, honestly, I, I honestly feel that way with the flake but the Patriots storyline that I gave you or I'm going to give you right now is not the flake related. And, and, but it is timely and, it is something that I think we should at least, out of the gate, keep an eye out for. I- I'm not going to tell you today to overreact to this because, you know, this stuff happens around the league. And to be honest, I think it's way too early to maybe even assume completely why this happened. Well, let me tell you what happened. And and I'm going to actually read this directly from someone who... I have great respect for, and his name is Mike Reese. He covers the New England Patriots for ESPN and ESPN Boston. And he writes this on their website. And he wrote it over the weekend. Because as you know, OTAs have begun with NFL teams and they'll continue. Um, Organized team activities, OTAs. And... What Mike Reese writes about OTAs, he writes some quick hits, some thoughts and notes with regards to the Patriots because he covers the Patriots. Here's the first one. This is number one, and I think it should be number one. I think it's the right story to, again, we're keeping an eye out on this story. I'm not saying overreact to it. Just keep an eye out for it. It's worth noting, and it's certainly worth putting number one in your notes at OTAs because I see tweets and people who are, who went and covered OTAs, and I've been there. I mean, I covered the New England Patriots for several years as a reporter for Comcast Sportsnet's website, csnne.com. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm extremely grateful for that opportunity. Uh, I was laid off when the Celtics made all those moves to get rid of Pierce, to get rid of... Garnett, and basically, I, I mean, I believe I was laid off because there was some cutbacks and they weren't going to bring in the money because the Celtics are no good and it's the the channel that the Celtics play on, whatever the reason may be. I'm just trying to give you a background as to what I used to do with them and, and why I'm no longer there. Like, it's not like I got fired or I, I quit. You know, 
I, I always feel like I need to, to come out and say that and explain the reason why I'm no longer there. So that's why I'm no longer there. I got laid off. But I was there for a good three, four years, and I was a reporter for their website, Comcast, Sportsnet, New England, CSN, NE.com, and I covered the Patriots. I did a lot of Patriots stuff. You can make the argument I did more Patriots than any other sport that I covered. I, I did all the major sports, but Patriots, again, make the argument I was there all the time during the week. I watched practice during the season, before the season, training camp, mini camp, OTAs. And what I can tell you is having the experience of sitting there actually watching these sessions and these practices, especially with OTAs, I think you got to be very careful with how you react to some of the things you see on the field when it comes to X's and O's or guys, how much, how many reps guys are getting or, you know, what some certain situations look like or who participates more than other guys when they're on the field. I just think you got to be careful with how you react to what you see on the field at OTAs because I think it's very easy to overreact. And one thing I see every single year, and this year is no exception, when I go on social media, I go on Twitter, look, I'm not down there anymore, but but I can see the same stuff from people who are down there. You know, there's, there's, there's a dissection, like people are dissecting what's going on on the field and they're dishing us the information, and I'm like, eh. Dude, first of all, in the summertime, I don't care about football that much. Like, that's just not on my priority list. There's Major League Baseball, there's playoff hockey, there's playoff basketball. Uh, you got, there's just a lot, a lot of other stuff going on. And, and it's just, again, it's not a priority, especially when it comes to on-field stuff and especially OTAs. But when I, I read the notes from Mike Reese, you know, I think this is not just worth noting. But it's worth being the top note, the number one note. Here it is from Mike Reese, ESPN. Number one says, Cornerback Malcolm Butler was one of 17 players who did not participate in Thursday's voluntary organized team activity. While the reason for his absence is not known, I wouldn't be surprised if it was related to his contract status. Butler has told teammates and friends he plans to push for an adjustment in his contract before the 2016 season. And staying off the field in voluntary workouts would be a decision that limits injury risk and also could be viewed as a statement to the organization that he's unhappy with the status quo and or the movement specifics of contract talks. Butler was present for the team's fantasy camp with high-paying sponsors on Wednesday, and he was playing basketball at a local high school with teammates two weeks ago. So it's not as if he hasn't been around. But I think it's fair to say this is a situation to monitor in the weeks and months ahead. Butler's agent, Derek Simpson, did not return multiple calls or emails seeking comment late last week. That is coming from Mike Reese. And again, I want to preface this by saying I am not going to sit here and overreact to a player who is missing a voluntary workout with the team. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to overreact. I'm not going to crush Malcolm Butler uh, for not going. I'm not going to crush the team for maybe if the contract talks haven't picked up again. I don't know where contract talks are. I have no idea. I have no clue. But when you do look into the situation and you see what the actual 
contract situation is with the Patriots and with someone like Malcolm Butler, I definitely think that this is something that that raises the antenna, that gets your attention, that opens your eyes, that gets you thinking. This is something that you think that you should that we should be thinking about. You know, not something we should overreact to, but something we should acknowledge is hey, as Mike Reese does in his notes on ESPNBoston.com, we need to acknowledge that this is this is a story, a a story not to overreact to right now, but to keep an eye out for moving forward. And the reason we do that is because his second note in this notebook goes into, and I won't read everything word for word like I just did. I thought it was important to read the the first part word for word as to why, you know, he thinks Butler wasn't there. And Mike Reese is tapped in. You know, Mike Reese gets information. He knows. I don't think he's just, you know, throwing shit against the wall in this. Like, I think, you know, I respect his opinion. I respect his... um, you know, the things that he's able to report, the sources that he has, there's no question. If Mike Reese is bringing this up and puts it number one, you know, I think what he does is he acknowledges the elephant in the room, or, or should we say the elephant on the field, which is that Malcolm Butler is not was not on the field for OTAs on Thursday's voluntary workout. And the reason... It's the elephant in the room is because the Patriots do have some decisions to make. Malcolm Butler is going to be looking for a new contract after the season, but so is Dante Hightower. So is Jamie Collins. That we can consider maybe the big three for guys who are going to need new contracts. Now, it would have been the big four, but as we know, this offseason, the Patriots traded Chandler Jones to Arizona. And and when when I saw that move, at least, what I thought to myself was, okay, they're taking care of some salary cap stuff now for the following offseason. Like Chandler Jones, they basically, they lined him up against the wall and they said, we can't sign all of these guys. We got to cut ties with someone. And when they went, you know, to this offseason, they decided that Chandler Jones was the guy out of those four that they were going to cut ties with. And they were going to get something for him in return. So they acted right now. I'm, I told you, I'm fine with that move. I really do believe that's why they made that move. And that's just the Patriots being the Patriots. That's, that's what they do. People might want to point to, well, Chandler Jones also looks like maybe he was acting up before that playoff game against Kansas City. Um, I, I tell you what, I don't necessarily know that, that that's the reason. In fact, I don't think that's the reason. I think the reason this is a business if you don't understand the Patriots' way of doing business by now, then you'll never understand it. But I just think the Chandler Jones trade was a business move in which the business part of it was you line those four guys up against the wall and you say, all right, who are we not bringing back? And Chandler Jones is the guy they chose to not bring back. Now, does that mean they said to themselves, we're definitely going to bring back the other three, all three of them, Collins, Hightower, and Butler? I don't know that they said that, but I think they felt like they had a better chance to sign three than they did four. Like, they knew they definitely weren't bringing all four back, so they made the move and they got something for them. That's the business. Now, where does the business part of it go from here? I think in a perfect world, you'd bring all three back. If you're asking me to rank them who you need most out of all those three guys, I'm going to tell you Jamie Collins is the guy. I think he's an athletic freak. I think he can do some things. I think he's continuing to learn. I I love the fact that, you know, his football IQ, we see him do some things throughout the season last year that that he made some adjustments. And I just, 
on top of all that, I just think Jamie Collins is an athletic freak to the point where there's no way, there is no possible way I can pot ways with him. I just can't do it. I can't pot ways with Jamie Collins. Uh, so I got to keep him. He's the first guy on my list that I say I, I got to find a way to keep Jamie Collins in a Patriots uniform. We've seen this Patriots team do things and add linebackers and, and add pieces to the defense and still have success. So I think the question is, if you're the Patriots, after you maybe say, hey, we're going to bring back Jamie Collins, if you can only bring back two of those three, or at least one of the next two, Hightower or Butler, you have to ask yourself, all right, where do we think we can replace? What's the easiest replacement here? Is it the cornerback position and Malcolm Butler? Or is it the linebacker position and Hightower? Honestly, right now, I don't know that I have an answer to that question. Here's what I'll say. Here's what I will get into. And also, again, not trying to sit and overreact to this too much, but it is a story to keep your eye out for. And, you know, I kind of felt bad that I didn't talk about it on Monday's podcast because it was a story over the weekend that I think deserves some attention. So I'm giving it to you right now. But the bottom line is this. When I mentioned the business, the Patriot way, and how Bill Belichick's going to handle his business, it's not going to change. And one thing I think we do need to acknowledge is Malcolm Butler, if he's going to even tease any type of holdout, that is not going to... That's not going to make the Patriots... Here's what the Patriots are not going to do. They're not going to panic... They're not going to rush to the negotiation table, and they're certainly not going to bend over backwards for somebody that they just took as an undrafted free agent, undrafted rookie free agent, and plugged him in. I get it. Malcolm Butler made the greatest play that we might ever see in, in, in the history of the game, to be honest with you. When you talk about what was on the line, the moment in which the play was made, Really, the only play that Malcolm Butler could make was catching that ball. If Malcolm Butler bats that ball down, it would be a great play, but it might not win the Patriots a Super Bowl. Like, that, you could make an argument. That's the greatest defensive play that's ever been made in the history of the NFL, given what was at stake, and given, really, it was the only thing he could do for the Patriots to hoist that Lombardi trophy. I get it. I will forever remember that. I will forever love Malcolm Butler for that moment. Bill Belichick will forever love Malcolm Butler for that moment. The Patriots organization will forever love Malcolm Butler for that moment. So will Tom Brady. So will the rest of that team. So will everybody in Boston, everybody in New England. will always love Malcolm Butler for that play. But that doesn't change the business. It doesn't change Bill Belichick's mindset. It doesn't change how the Patriots are going to handle a negotiation with this kid. It doesn't change it. Does Malcolm Butler have some leverage when it comes to the negotiation as to what he could make and, and you know, what he probably should be making when you look at some of the big money that's been dished out to cornerbacks? Yeah, I think Malcolm Butler, you know, it's something that's on his resume that certainly his agent isn't stupid. He's going to try to use to his advantage as much as possible. But, I mean, this is the Patriots. And the Patriots are not, are not going to bend over backwards for this kid when they're looking at him going, we picked you up out of nowhere. Right? If we can pick you up out of nowhere and you can be a successful cornerback for this team, what makes you think that we can't go out and pick somebody else up out of nowhere? What makes you think that we can't go out 
and bring in another undrafted rookie free agent to be a serviceable cornerback for us. Like, what makes you think that? And that's where I think this thing is going to get ugly because if if this is any sign, and again, I don't know that it is, but it's something to keep an eye out for. Since this has become a story now, and I think it should be a story, if this is any sign of maybe Malcolm Butler and what his mindset is, and if he is thinking about holding out, or if he is going to be upset if they don't get to work on a deal, like if he's going to be this guy that says, hey, I made you the best play in the history of the game, and I want to be paid like, like a top cornerback, I think we all know how this is going to end, right? Like, I I think we know how it'll end. The Patriots will say, hey, this is a business. It's a salary cap. There's a sign on the wall when you walk into this building that says, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be. We got guys that left and right, uh, taking less money to stay here, who are restructuring contracts to stay here to maybe help us out under the cap. What makes you think as somebody that we picked up out of nowhere as an undrafted rookie free agent that we are going to bend over backwards, especially now that we have begun OTAs, we're about to begin minicamp, next thing you know we'll be in training camp, next thing you know we'll have preseason games, and we'll be into the season. What makes you think that we are going to treat you differently than anybody else on this roster? Like, you know that's what the Patriots are going to say to them, right? You know that's what they're going to say to them. And if that's what they say to them, I'm going to be very curious to see how Malcolm Butler reacts because I said this about Arian Foster. And it's, look, it's, Arian Foster is a, was a Pro Bowl running back. I know it's a different situation, but I think the sentiment is the same. And I feel this way about almost every transaction that occurs and the New England Patriots are involved in. Whether it's bringing back a guy under a, a, a on some type of deal in which maybe he's making less money than someone else or it's restructuring a contract or it's potting ways with somebody, it, it all comes back to that sign that's at Gillette Stadium that I just mentioned. If you don't want to be here, you don't have to be. And, you know, technically, I don't even know if that sign literally exists, but theoretically it does. And it's the way the organization has worked for a long time. And that's not going to change for Malcolm Butler. I get news from. Like, the reason I, I, I don't know if the sign exists. Wes Welk had told me the sign exists. It might be in a little room in the back that, I, uh, that media can't go in. But I can remember, I literally asked Wes Welk, the day, days after the Randy Moss trade, I said, you know, can you just give me a quote on Randy Moss and, and him being moved and the type of player he was? Like, what does that trade say to this locker room, say to this team, like, what does that trade, what does a Randy Moss trade say to you? And Wes Welker looked at me, he said, you know, it says that there's a sign on the wall when you walk in this building, and it says if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be. And and that was sort of an eye-opening quote to me, and an eye-opening moment, because it just put everything that the Patriots do in a perspective. Like, you go to the Amendola restructuring, yeah, this Amendola had some surgeries. I get it. And people might say after they hear that, oh, now the Amendola restructuring where he takes less money. You know, that, that, that now it makes sense, right? Well, I think there's that, but I also think there's the Patriots knew they needed to do something. I, we all sort of saw the Amendola, or at least we thought this was going to come, a restructuring of his contract if they wanted to keep him around. And, uh, you know, when I look at that restructure, 
I think that this was the Patriots saying, hey, how bad do you want to be here? And obviously, Amendola said, I want to be here. This is my spot. I want to win a championship, and I'm willing to restructure in order to make that happen. I think it was a matter of the Patriots saying, look, if you don't restructure, we're going to have to cut ties to you because, you know, it's this is the way we're going to handle business here. And um, a player can take that one of two ways. They can say, yes, I want to be here. Yes, I will restructure. I understand the Patriot way. Or they can say, no, I want more money. I see the market value. I think this is unfair. You know, it might not even lead to bad blood between me and you, but this is a business. You're going to use it. You're going to do your business. But, hey, you got to respect the fact that I'm going to do my business. And I think we're just going to part ways. Amendola could have taken that either way. But you know what he did? He said, I'm restructuring. I'm sticking around. This is where I want to be. Again, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be. Amendola wants to be here. Arian Foster's name's come up the last couple weeks because apparently he was in Boston. He was seen at Fenway taking in a Red Sox game. And um, if people say, oh, should the Patriots take a flyer on him? Should they sign him into a deal? I said, well, you know what? Yeah, if take a flyer on him, that's fine. I absolutely would. It's a no-brainer. Arian Foster's a free agent. If he's in Boston, maybe he shows signs and, and is interested in the Patriots. Yeah, sure. Have a meeting with him. Talk to his agent. You can bring him in. Bring him in. But again, another player. I don't care what's on his resume. Patriots are not going to bend over backwards for someone be, be, if, the, if it means going away, getting away from their strategy, which has obviously worked out so well for them as an organization, the business strategy that they use. It's worked out so well. It's, it's the mindset that they have. Basically, they brainwashed guys in there. To, to literally brainwashed them. The Patriot way. The business part of it. So when people say, should the Patriots take a fly on Arian Foster? I say, sure. But, but at the end of the day, this isn't, this isn't going to be about the Patriots, whether or not Arian Foster plays for New England next year or not. This is, this is going to be up to Arian Foster. Because the Patriots, again, are not going to change the way they do business for anyone, including Arian Foster. So if Arian Foster says, I want to play in New England, guess what? He'll be playing in New England. Because he's going to know what, what the type of deal he's going to sign. If he says... I'd rather go maybe squeeze a little bit more money out of someone else, maybe begin some type of um, bidding war for, between a couple teams to, for my services, then, then I'm going to go do that. Well, that's on him. Patriots aren't going to get involved in a bidding war like that. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And as, as much as I just praised Malcolm Butler a few minutes ago, and as highly as I think of him, again, this isn't me knocking Malcolm Butler – this isn't me knocking him, not showing up for OTAs, which was, again, voluntary. He doesn't, doesn't have to. But it certainly raises your eyebrows, raises the antenna, especially when someone like Mike Reese is going to begin his notes with it. I, I respect that. I, I like to think that he, he mentions this for a reason, other than just him seeing what, what we all see. And the elephant in the room, he acknowledges that elephant in the room. And um, I don't knock Malcolm Butler for that. And I'm certainly not knocking his talent when I say that business is going to be done no differently with him. All I'm doing is acknowledging what the business strategy is and what it has been and what it will be moving forward. And if Malcolm Butler thinks, if he thinks that that's going to change for him, I just think he's got another thing coming. Like, because it's not changing for him. I don't care. And for all we know, maybe this, maybe him missing the OTA voluntary, maybe, maybe it has nothing to do with this. Maybe it has nothing to do with contract. We don't know. 
But um, it's certainly something to keep an eye out for. I'm just maybe talking about it prematurely because I think it's interesting. And it's interesting not just because he misses an OTA in a session, but also because you combine it with the fact that he is going to be looking for a new deal after the season, and he is one of three very important pieces that the Patriots are going to try to, to keep around. Um, I, I find his strategy pretty... I just find his strategy interesting because I, I, I think what you're going to get is a lot of people, too. A lot of people are going to say, why don't you bring this kid back? Young kid, he made that great play in the Super Bowl. I know. I can already hear the, the arguments that we're going to have and the conversations that we're going to have. I know it. And people are going to keep trying to pound home that Super Bowl play. And I want to be very careful. I'm not telling you that 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 I hate Malcolm Butler. I love Malcolm Butler, and I'm always going to love him for that Super Bowl play. Always. But but that doesn't mean the Patriots are going to change the way they do business. And if you're asking me, should they? I'm going to say no. And I'm going to say no because the strategy they have had has worked. It continues to work. And I, I, the message I'd like to pound home, and I just have a feeling that Bill Belichick is going to have the same message that he pounds home to Malcolm Butler's agent if they do get in any type of negotiation, hardball negotiation. The message is this. Let's be honest. As good as that Super Bowl play was, all right, as good as we think Malcolm Butler is and is going to be moving forward, especially as he continues to grow in this league, here's the deal. They... Picked up Malcolm Butler out of nowhere. Literally, nowhere. Undrafted rookie free agent. Plugged him in. Just a typical Patriots move. And I'm not saying every undrafted rookie free agent they're gonna, they could plug in at that position is going to be successful for him. But I'm telling you that the Patriots, that's going to be part of their leverage. That's part of their argument. If they do get in a bidding, you know, Again, they're not going to get in the bidding war. But if they do get in any type of hardball negotiation, what they're going to say is, I think we need to be realistic about where Malcolm Butler came from, who gave him a shot, and if we're going to give him a shot and he can do that, well, don't you think that we can go out and bring someone else in? Like, it's not like this is someone who is the number three overall pick, was this highly touted cornerback that's supposed to be a, a, a potential Hall of Famer that was thrown into a spot and was living up to the hype. There was no hype. There might not be an NFL career if not for the Patriots, for Malcolm Butler. So the Patriots are going to use that. And guess what? They should. And for the people who will yell and scream and say, nope, there's certain players that you need to go above and beyond for, and you need to, you know, you need to finally stop being cheap, spend the money for all the for all the people that are going to say that. I tell you what, I got I, I I just I have a message for you. I just have a message for you. That's not going to happen. You can yell and scream all you want. I don't think that's going to happen. Even if the Patriots sit there and believe that this kid is going to be, you know, potential Hall of Fame cornerback in this league, I just think the way the Patriots feel, you can call it stubborn or not, it's their biz- it's, it's the way they handle business. And the way they're going to handle business with Malcolm Butler, whether you like it or not, is the way they've handled business with everybody else that's come through the doors at Gillette Stadium and has eventually left the doors at Gillette Stadium. That's that's the way it's going to be. And if you're asking me if I think they should change that strategy for Malcolm Butler, as good as Malcolm Butler is, as much as I like him, the answer to that question is no, I don't think they should change the strategy. 
if you want, you know, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be. If you want to be here, the Patriots want you. But you're going to do it under their, uh, under their circumstances. And at the same time, if the player wants to go out and get more money somewhere, which Malcolm Butler, let's face it, probably will be able to do, and use that Super Bowl highlight, right? His agent will be. He, imagine he becomes a free agent. The type of conversations and meetings Malcolm Butler's agent is going to have with teams. He is going to have that Super Bowl interception clip just on repeat over and over again. That's, that's what they're going to do. And there will be GMs around the league that will jump all over the opportunity to bring in a kid like this who made a play like that in the biggest spot possible. Believe me, Malcolm Butler would go out and get more money somewhere else. I think his agent knows that. If Malcolm Butler wants to go do it, be my guest. Good for you, especially in the NFL, in the world of contracts that are not guaranteed. Go get your guaranteed money. Go get your big contract. Go get your payday. You want to use that one play to get it? Good for you. You deserve it. You didn't even get drafted. And here you are proving people wrong. I'd be all for it. Go ahead. But if you say to yourself, hey, I can still, you know, be decently paid and, and I can stick with a team and have a chance to win a couple more championships here the next couple years, as long as Brady's around, then, then this is what I'm going to do. And I, I'll bet on myself. I mean, look, I'm not going to knock them either way. I just, one thing I, one thing I, I will not say if this gets to a point where it does become a serious holdout situation or bad blood, one thing I will not say is that the Patriots should change the way they do business for Malcolm Butler. I won't say it. I won't say it. And that's not a knock on Malcolm Butler. It's just, it, it, it's a comfort level that, that I have with the way the organization does business, seeing the way that they continue to win under that business strategy. That's just, that's it. That's it for me. That really is it for me. So just something to keep your eye out for. And and the reason I even make this a conversation for today's podcast, one, is that I forgot to mention it on Monday's show on Memorial Day. And, and two, when I see Mike Reese talk about it and open his OTA notes with it over the weekend, I do think it's it's newsworthy. And, and because of the other circumstances surrounding Malcolm Butler, the fact that his contract's up after this year and the fact that he is one of now a couple major defensive pieces to this Patriots puzzle whose contracts are going to be up, I think, hey, uh, there might be something to this. And if it is, well, let's talk about it. That's all. That's all this is. And when you talk about it, got to acknowledge what I think, uh, how I think this could go down if Malcolm Butler is going to go this route. We'll see. What does he want? Do you want to go out and get, get a payday? He can. Or does he want to play for the Patriots? He can do that too. Patriots are not going to get in a bidding war with other teams though. I will guarantee that. And if you're asking me if they should, I will say no, they should not. Not even for the guy who made arguably the greatest play, defensive play in the history of the NFL. I'll love him forever for it. But I will also forever love the Patriots way of doing business, which has been long-term success. Long-term success. I'm here five days a week, dannypicard.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere podcasts are available. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, all forms of social media. On tomorrow's podcast on Wednesday, little special conversation I had, special segment. I actually went Outside of the Beantown Athletic Studios, I went to, guess where I went? 
And I've never been here before. This is my first trip. This is my first time. I had a burger. I had some fries. I had a soft drink. I had the works here. First time there. And I tell you what, my, my first time there won't be my last. And they're not even paying me to say that. But Brandon Wahlberg sat down with me inside of Wahlbergers the other day, and we had a good conversation about the Boston Celtics. It's not, it's not your typical, like, me in studio sort of yelling and screaming and flipping out over shit like I usually do. But um, it, we had to sort of quiet down because there's so many people around us as we recorded this, and I brought a couple microphones. I go, uh, you know, leave the studio, go into Wahlberg's restaurant in Hingham, and uh, we just sat at a booth, and we shot the shit about the Celtics for about an hour or so. And we had a nice little meal. Uh, it was great. And I will be back to Wahlberg's. I, it was my first time. Uh, I had a great burger. It was a great experience. We talked some Celtics. So I'll be playing that for you on tomorrow's podcast on Wednesday. And I'll also, what I'll give you tomorrow is if you're paying attention to the NBA playoffs and, and the NBA finals, you know that, that we don't have a winner yet. We don't have a champ yet. I think Cleveland's going to win it all. I've told you that for months now, and I'm sticking with it. But in Vegas, they have already come out with the NBA championship odds for next season. And I'm a little surprised, actually, as to where they have the Celtics on this list with regards to the odds of who could win and who's going to win next year's NBA title. Next year's. We don't even have this year's champion, even though I think it's Cleveland. They're already, they've already come out with the odds for next year. So I'm going to give that to you tomorrow. Also, we'll play my conversation with Brandon Wahlberg again. You know, there, there's, there's so many people around us, right around us. We weren't, I think we, we toned it down a little bit for the audience. And not just for the audience, but also uh, for the people that were sitting next to us that didn't want to listen to us yell and scream about the Celtics. So it was a, I, I'll call it a peaceful Celtics conversation. But nonetheless, Brandon Wahlberg, I sat down with him the other day. And uh, yeah, we talked Celtics. So I'll play that for you tomorrow. And then that'll be it for the week for me. But join me tomorrow, five days a week. Usually, I'm out of town the rest of this week. But normally, five days a week, you can listen whenever you want. I told you where you can. Any, anywhere podcasts are available. All forms of social media. But uh, I'm out. Again, my conversation with Brandon Wahlberg tomorrow. Talk to you then. <laughs>